Welcome to another episode of Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. This is the place for inspiration and empowerment so that you can overcome shame, guilt, fear, loss, and grief. We are barely scripted, raw, real, and we even have a lot of fun. This is your place to get some tips so that you can begin to disrupt your trauma for good. Let's get started. Hello, this is a special episode. This is a recording from our Warriors and Hope 2022 event. It's a session I did with my husband, Rich, and my son, Sean. And we just wanted to share with you our feelings and some tips on what we've done to put our family back together and keep it together. And we just spoke from our hearts, zero planning, and I hope you get a lot out of it. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this next session that I am super excited about. And you know, what happens in events, rightly so, the people who are invited to speak are professional speakers. They're experts, and that's great. We have some great ones in our Warriors and Hope 2022 event. But if you've ever been to any of my events, you know that I always like to invite, I don't want to say ordinary people, because I think these two are pretty extraordinary, but I mean, you know, people who are not professionals, because every single person has a perspective. Every single person has experiences that no one else has. We all have a unique path in life. And you've all heard a lot about my story, but we all know that things like addiction, like the death of a child, like a lot of things are a family situation. It doesn't just affect one person. So now, Here's what you need to know in advance. Unscripted, right? raw, real, we're not even 100% sure where this is going to go. And that is the way I like for these things to go. So if you will help me welcome my husband, Rich Silvera, and my son, Sean Maher. Hello. <laughs> and just for the record, I'm constantly presenting publicly to city councils, law enforcement. So I'd like to think I'm a fairly professional public speaker, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I should have known we wouldn't go at least two minutes before you'd have to put a funny in there. Yeah, I was planning it from the moment you called me <laughs> nice. a professional speaker. Nice. But don't you think that, I mean, we hadn't planned to talk about this. How important do you guys think that humor is when the you know what hits the fan and life becomes really tough? Extraordinarily important. Isn't it? Yes. You gotta add levity to everything. Yeah, and, and, I mean, levity also... Literally, do you know that laughter has physical benefits for the body? Mm -hmm. It's incredible, yep. the benefits of laughter. So, and I think some people think you're not supposed to laugh when you have some bad thing going on in your life, like you're laughing at the thing, right? I laugh at very inopportune moments, but I think that's important. <laughs> so thanks for that, Sean. But I thought that maybe it made sense for us to talk about, uh, let me put a little background to it. Rich is obviously Sean's stepfather. And so when the, you know what hit the fan for us, when Jamie was 15 and you were 13, we had only been married for three years, I guess it was. And, you know, it takes a little while to bring people together and make a family unit. And I had this such a desire for us to have this, you know, the, the cog wheels that were just all functioning perfectly and just smoothly. And, 
And I was divorced when Sean, you were one, and Jamie was three. So I never really had that. And I was looking for that. And of course, Rich not having children. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. That's, <laughs> so yeah. it's challenging anyway for, mm -hmm. to put a family together, right? And then when you have something happen like, you know, the smartest person you know starts going off the rails and um, all sorts of stuff starts happening. And ours really began, the big thing began when she got arrested for shoplifting, which devastated me. And years later, I would wish she was shoplifting. I hate to tell you. But anyways, when all that started happening, I think at first for me, I thought it was just going to stop. Right? I thought it was just some child or teenage phase. Phase. I mean, Sean, you probably didn't think a whole lot about it at that point because you were 13, she was 15. I had had friends that had been in trouble for shoplifting and, and didn't think that it was that big of a deal. Honestly, <laughs> well, okay, I stole a candy bar when I was 11, so yeah, I, I did it. See, yeah. I thought it was a huge deal just based on the way I was raised. Well, and Are you saying I was raised poorly? Mom, no. I hope you're watching this, Mom. <laughs> but no, tr truth no. be told, some of those people that I know that went down that similar path at that same age... Uh, without naming names, some of them are really, really upstanding members of society who have not struggled with any addiction. And one of them was a good friend of mine I told you about a while ago who overdosed uh, like a year and a half ago. And he was the first person I knew who was oh. shoplifting, kind of going down that that same dangerous path. So I understand where the fear of that comes from now, retrospectively. Yeah. At the time, you probably didn't give it much thought. I mean... We just thought that we would go through. Remember, she had to go through. She couldn't go to the mall for a year, and we had to have this whole thing she had to go through with her, her dad and I did with her. It's Oh, my cute. gosh. You know, I'm also the honesty Nazi, right, Sean? Mm -hmm. You were raised with that. So it's shocking. But then we had the police officer who, in the room with her, was supposed to scare the living bejesus out of her. Didn't she, work, did it? She didn't even bat an eye. <laughs> you know what, Rich? Honestly, that's the moment when I... <laughs> that's Jamie. That's right. Jamie, right. But that was the moment, honestly, one of the many moments where I thought, we're in trouble. Oh, yeah. We're in trouble. Because yeah. you should be so scared. Yep. You're mm. right. She wasn't scared. Not even remotely. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward to, let's see. I'm not going to go through all the gory details, my friends. The ankle bracelet. When she was 17, she was wearing an ankle bracelet. Look, at, we've gone through so much. I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that. Check fraud. For 30 days. I don't even remember. No. That was for a DUI. Excuse us. We've got to get our list together. That was for a DUI that she had, and okay. she wore an ankle bracelet for 30 days. Oh and I remember that we had some business professionals in from Florida, and they were doing some events at our house and visiting us, and all I could think of was, Jamie, wear the longest pants that you have. <laughs> wear the longest skirt. You know what? And you know what? Are okay in the yeah. overall scheme of things, I don't even remember the I can't ankle believe bracelet. that. Don't even remember. How funny. I remember the ankle bracelet, but didn't remember the correct incident, so... Yeah. But I'm just... It was so... It was embarrassing. And you know what I think? Thought about this... You know, that whole thing about be, this being raw and unscripted? I think that ankle bracelet, for me, may have been the time when I painted on the thickest layer of shame mm. that I had. Yeah. That I had raised a daughter, because it was all about me. That, I mean, honestly, as a parent, I made it all about me. Mm -hmm. I think for all three of us at some point, we could probably say we were making it all about us. Sure. I've made it all about me, and it had to be my fault. I was a terrible mother, and I would go through the list of all the things I had done. How could she possibly want to do something that would you know, have, have her have an ankle bracelet or shoplift or whatever? So I think for me, that's when, like you just said, Sean, the embarrassment and the shame. But the biggie... 
the biggie that some of you don't even know about. I mean, I'm sure that all of you watching this know that uh, Jamie was murdered when she was 30, but this still is the weirdest thing for me to say. Weirder than anything. When Jamie was shot the first time. Mm. Yeah. Those three words are so weird to me because you shouldn't know anyone that was shot any times. Sure. But I know for you, Sean, you and I talked about this just the other day about the shame and embarrassment that you felt, and I'm sure that you wanted to distance yourself from her so fast and so hard, but she was in the news. She almost died. She was shot. It was hard to avoid, wasn't it, at school? <clears throat> yeah, most certainly. The, the, I mean, honestly, the saving grace, because I think this is a point where it was making it about me, of course, when I found out I had football practice, summer practices, and I had to go into school with a bunch of kids who knew my sister and be around them knowing that she had been shot. And then it's like, uh, friends, their parents didn't want them hanging out with me because they're like, Oh, don't Guilt hang out with a kid whose sister gets shot. Yep. Um, the only saving grace that I had was cause she was two years older than me. This was between my sophomore and junior years. She, her, her class had graduated and moved on. So most of the people who would torment me and give me a hard time about the path she was going on had left. And all the other kids were younger, and it was more inquisitive and less trying to rile and poke at the, the younger person. So in that moment, I felt a little bit like, thank God it happened when it did. It made it a little bit easier for me, but it was still very, very challenging. Remember you and had I, to walk into football practice, and mm -hmm. everybody was going, what happened? Yeah, and my coach did not give me any grace. I missed a few practices, and he punished me for not coming to practice when she was shot. So that was... And then, of course, all eyes are on me because I'm having to run laps after practice and everyone knows why. Mm. So there was a lot of, there was definitely a lot of heat on me and it definitely made me want to, uh, at that point, not talk about it at all. If anybody brought it up, what happened, I would just be like, her boyfriend's a, you know, POS, he shot her. What else yeah. do you want to know? I think that's important <clears throat> to, to note for people who don't know that part of the story is that why would there be shame and embarrassment over someone getting shot? Obviously, they're the victim. But Jamie had, we lived in Bellevue, Washington, and if you don't know that area, maybe a lot of you know Redmond because that's where Microsoft is. And anyway, it's a really nice part of the Puget Sound area, which is near Seattle, across the lake, across the big Lake Washington from Seattle. And I would say that as Eastsiders, it was a million miles away from Seattle, wasn't it? In many ways. Yeah. Um, Our exit was totally. 13 miles from downtown Seattle, but the... I mean, we grew up with forests in our backyard. Friends of mine right, lived on right. the lake. It was a very, very much so like a suburban. Yep. A nice area. Good yeah. schools. Yeah, we lived very on the top nice. of a mountain. My yeah, yeah, yeah. high school was in the peak of a valley over a river where they had a salmon celebration every year. It was like a very... The only thing missing was the white picket fence. Yeah. yeah. Big house. Nice neighborhood. Yeah. Real yeah. Out, like really outdoorsy, woodsy town and people. Yeah. Certainly no, never saw a gun. Yeah. So at that point. were we all dumbfounded or what when she made her way? I mean, you have to make your way into this other world, into an area of Seattle even. Forget Seattle, an area of Seattle that was known for a lot of violence and gang activity and things like that. And we are in utter shock. She was 18, by the way, when she was shot, but we had tried to pluck her literally you and I, pluck her a year before when she was 17, out of that world. We did pluck her out of that world, but she just kept making her way back. And that caused us a lot of confusion and embarrassment, but I think the shame, and 
And I know for me, because I gave birth to her and I raised her her whole life, I don't know if you ever felt the shame, Rich. I've never even asked you I that. didn't. No, I didn't feel any shame because, not because uh, I was a step-parent, but I was dealing with adults that were just concerned about what had happened and why it happened. You mean the people in your life? Your yeah, the people in my life. I was in the middle of a startup and spending all my time uh, with this company and they were genuinely good people. They were just concerned about, you know, what had transpired, what kind of dynamic created this situation. And I said, you know, obviously nobody goes into a relationship or a situation looking to be shot, okay? It's all about your choices. So I didn't feel any shame like she was begging for it because she wasn't. Um, Did you wonder why you married me, though? Well, I was like, uh, <laughs> I wasn't having a pity party, but I was, I was... Thinking, thinking you didn't sign up for this? I was thinking a lot about uh, looking up to the sky and saying, quit piling on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Startups are hard enough in and of themselves. And uh, this thing was just had a whole different dimension. Because my DNA is about how to fix it. Yeah. You know, you're always about, how, what can I do to fix it fast and move on? Well, I think that brings up a good point. Because for me, okay, so you remember those cogwheels I was talking about? We weren't, we weren't meshing too well no. because I know Sean's over there doing his own thing me I'm thinking I'm actually a result-oriented person too I'm much like a guy in the way that I think in that way and all I could think of was if we could just stop the train if we could stop the madness if we I could convince her guilt tripper I tried it all anything we have the the pastor talk to her the pastor who had been from that world yeah, yeah, yeah. tried to talk to her yeah if we could just do something oh I know, that thing, then, you know, the, the switch would flip and everything in our lives would go back to normal. The bottom line is when you go through the kind of trauma that we did with Jamie being shot, with all the stuff, and we aren't even going to tell you the whole list, those are traumatic experiences. We experienced a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. We weren't going to be the same, you guys. Mm -hmm. In fact, Mana talked about post-traumatic growth, really great session. And she was saying, you know, a lot of people want to go back to where? You can't yeah. go back. You're not going to be the same. But I didn't even understand that. I just thought if it would stop, everything would be okay. So I was trying to make it stop. What were you doing? I was trying to fix it. I couldn't, I mean, there, I was trying to fix it to make it stop, yeah. And going through trials and tribulations in my head as to what you could do to get her to change the circle of friends she was hanging out with. Which... And we were so successful in all of our attempts to stop this train, <laughs> weren't we? Yeah, yeah. We were very unsuccessful. Okay, i got to say something because Sean cracked me up. Yeah, it cracked me up when he said this about us. The other day we were talking, but it really... There's, I want to say something about it after, but I first want to put the funny out there. When you said to me the other day that... So what, what were you thinking? You know, I know that now, Sean, you appreciate what I was going through. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you understand because... You've never had this happen in your life. You're not, you know, you're Different not me. perspectives. Right. So I'm not going to say you understand, but you can appreciate how difficult it was because I was losing my daughter and it was killing mm -hmm. me, right? You can appreciate that. But back then, all you felt like, you told me you felt like we were giving her all the breaks. You were in trouble for the smallest of things. And then you said something that cracked me up. You said, and all I kept thinking was, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> So yeah. as funny as that is, by you saying that, it makes me think that perhaps you had uh, maybe emotionally or something almost taken a step back from me and Rich. <laughs> like, yeah. 
you know? That's probably fair. It was probably drawn back from both of you, my dad as well, anyone who wanted to try and, he wanted to sugarcoat like everything was okay, oh, she's going to be fine, and then you guys were, you know, hands across America to fix everything about her, and that sort of put me on an island right. um, where it was like, well, Sean's not doing perfect, the grades aren't perfect, but I had already gotten the credits to graduate from high school when the really torrential downpour had started. I was just going to school so I could play football at that point. Things were going fine for me. I was working. Uh, and I think you guys were kind of like, he's going to be okay. And once you let me go on my own island, I could just ignore all that other stuff that was bothering me and do my own thing and yeah. not really have to focus on it. And I don't think I knew I was doing that at the time. You were just trying to survive. Yeah, I think at the time yeah. it was like, oh, yeah. this great opportunity to like, oh, I can go hang out with friends during the week and kind of do whatever I want. And and those people won't bug me. Yeah, and I didn't, <laughs> didn't really, and I was never doing anything bad or anything wrong. I just didn't. Maybe just didn't even understand that it was a form of self-medication by constantly entertaining myself with yeah. other, other individuals so you don't have to face what's directly in front of you. <clears throat> yeah. And the you know what? I felt I, a lot of guilt, though, about you, Sean. The shame was Jamie. The guilt, a lot of my guilt came from me not sitting down and helping you think about college or future plans or it was almost like you just said it was like, okay, he's, you weren't thriving you were struggling in different areas of your life, like every, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old does, 19, whatever. And, but I was just like, let's put that one over there because it's not as bad as this other thing. Yeah, always easy. Which you, isn't fair. Well, it's not fair, but you compartmentalize things because we knew the friends he was hanging out with, a lot of them were on the football team, good people. We knew the parents. Uh, his grades were fine. He was in sport. Um, you know what, Rich? I got to say something. I didn't know the parents. You want to know why? I distanced. You talk about distancing. I distanced myself from those parents they so fast. They got your fast best performance. Hey. Because I was so good to see so you. Embarrassed. Your kids are welcome anytime. Yeah. yeah. But you were really just kind of giving them a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so embarrassed and humiliated. And here's the thing: when people, I used to hear about people's kids who went astray, went to jail, were on drugs. I wouldn't just think they were bad parents. The parents, I would say it. That if that happened, it's your fault. You should have raised your kids mm. better. So I didn't have to wonder what those people were thinking about me. I know what people were thinking. In fact, remember we were in Verizon? It was, I don't even know what year it was, what was going on, but we were down in Issaquah and we were at Verizon. Yeah. We ran into one of Jamie's old softball coaches because yeah, Jamie was a great rainy. softball player. And we ran into him and he's a really nice guy. Yep. And he was talking about what his daughter was doing. And I so wanted to be happy for him. But I got to be honest with you. Like I always am. I wasn't feeling it. It was making me sick to my stomach. And then he did the, the face. He did the, how's Jamie? Mm -hmm. You know, you know what I'm talking about? The, the posture voice, the that says. The voice where someone has died yeah, before you, they've even died. Yes. But do you, and then it made me sick to even, oh. Sure. See, but I never, I never took that as uh, served up in a judgmental tone. No, I don't I think it, it, as, it was more I of like it he felt sorry of, for me. Well, that or it's uncomfortable sometimes for people to bring that stuff up. I think it's Good having point. I think it's having care and using tact yeah. while trying to bring up something. And the, the reality is most people wouldn't have said anything. They would have just been like, hope your daughter's well, and right. walked away so they didn't have to deal with it. Right. In that moment, though, you're so wrapped up in your own head and concerned what other people think about you that you automatically assume that his question and his tone came with... Whole oh, I'm on of, the defense totally. Of yeah, me of other meaning. Right. <clears throat> and it may not have. Rich may be right. Maybe we're overthinking that, you know. Yeah. 
But I, I think, and I think probably you it. too, Sean, probably some of the times when you thought your friends were thinking this or their parents were thinking that. But I have to tell you, probably a lot of those parents were thinking that because I have to tell you that if Jamie had come home and told me that you know, somebody she knew was shot or you did or whatever, I'd be going, whoa, 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 what kind of people are these people that are because, and I was wrong. Let me tell you, you guys know I fell off my soapbox and it hurt. I, I get that now. And mm -hmm. that is one of the things that, you know, this whole path has taught me. So I'm wondering if, you know, we talked about, we called this session, you know, the thriving from thriving, surviving to thriving and building a family legacy of courage. Cause I think it took courage, Rich, for you and I to stay married. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, an easy way out would have been for you to go sayonara, baby. Mm-hmm. Although one time, another, Sean has to make a joke about everything. When, I remember one time I told you years later that I said, you know what? I was at a point where I was so desperate to save Jamie that I would have walked out the door and left Rich in two seconds. I didn't care. I would have spent my life trying to save Jamie. And Sean goes... I would have gone with Rich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, yeah, we, I mean, you know all this. So Sean and I spent a lot of time um, ragging on Jamie for what she was putting you through. Because she didn't, my thought was she didn't give a rip about what she was putting you through. She was just being so selfish about her. Well, now that we understand her addiction, path. we didn't understand yeah, addiction. I, right. I, I mean, none of the three of us and I didn't understand addiction. And I spent most all of my time trying to uh, be a buffer for you based on what she was doing. But what you would do because you wanted to stop it and fix it right. and you couldn't, you had no ability, you would say something derogatory about her or mean to her. So I would go, you don't like her. It's that you don't like her. Yeah. You know, it. it yeah. I mean, it took a lot of courage for us to work through our relationship, to stay strong to be resolved that this wasn't well, going to destroy us. Yeah. Well, your your comment is spot on. There, there were many times I did not like her. Many, many there times. There were many times I didn't like her. Yeah, no, she <laughs> was... A, I have to tell you. She was a, a totally different person in a totally different world. Yeah. You know? No, and it's understandable. I think it's okay. I always loved Jamie, but I, and I told her that. I would say, I always love you. Nothing you ever can do will stop me from loving you. But man, I sure don't like you. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's understandable. Mm -hmm. So I think, though, that um, it's one thing to, to get through a situation. And I think that a lot of people would say that, oh, they're getting through it. Well, I don't think it's enough for me. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to just get through all of this. Yeah. Okay, we, this isn't over for us. And it's not just because Jamie's dead and because we have grief that revisits, you know, all the time and we have to keep from crawling inside the holes in our hearts, it's not just that, but we have a murder trial in our future and perhaps more than one kind of a trial. And you know what? What comes with that, hopefully a conviction, but also what comes with that is all of the pain of reliving and hearing things about her that the defense is going to say about her that we don't want to hear, that some won't be true. And what about appeals? Mm -hmm. What about parole? Mm -hmm. This is a lifelong journey, and so I think it's just, I, I'm really proud of us, and I say that in a very humble way, that we've decided to learn and grow from it. And mm -hmm. so, what are some of the things that you guys have learned and ways in which you've changed? I can see things, but I want to know what you think, that, because I believe good can come from even the most awful of situations, mm -hmm. if you choose it. And I feel like we've all chosen 
So what ways do you think this experience has made you a better person? Hmm. Uh, I'll start. So for me, it's made me a little less. So Jamie, through, through this path, uh, um, taught me to be less judgmental. Uh, of I'll people. second that one. Yeah, far less judgmental of people. <laughs> yeah, everybody, I guess, can agree with that. Because she, you know, a lot of times people say your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. She was very non-judgmental person, and I think at times that had her with her guard down uh, because she was so non-judgmental. Uh, and if you were her friend, she was devoted fierce. Yeah. and True. fierce and defended defended you beyond a shadow of a doubt. And maybe regardless of yeah, whether you deserved regardless of whether <laughs> yeah. you needed the defense or not. Um, but um, so for me, not judgmental. It's taught me that. And then secondly, it has. Um, in my pursuit of being non-judgmental, I actually started to study addiction in an effort before she was shot to uh, find um, remedies other than the ones that we all know about, like the rehab houses, which oftentimes don't work because the recidivism rate is so high. They get out after 60 days, they're back in three months later. Uh, um, so I, I studied addiction, and when I studied it, I learned a lot about how it affects the brain and how absolutely brutally difficult it is to break the addiction habit. Yeah, uh, sure. And and I thought I found a very cool uh, process and uh, drug that uh, takes the choice out of the addict's hands because the medication is inserted into your into your uh, midsection in an outpatient uh, surgery procedure. So it's got a time release and it blocks the uh, the, it blocks the addiction uh, to the brain. Uh, so I thought, we got it. We, this is it. We got it. Finally, the answer. We got the answer. But again, unless the addict is ready, you can't force that upon the addict. And then the tragedy hit, so it was too late. Well, unfortunately, Jamie didn't even have a choice. You know, she didn't even get to decide, okay, this is my moment. Yes, Rich, thank you. I'll try that. Because somebody, you know, killed her. Somebody took that choice away from her. Um, and I got to tell you what, I had hope. I had a lot of hope. As hard as that life was, I had a lot of hope. And that day that we got that knock on the door and that little gal from the, the officer from the coroner's office came and told us Jamie had been murdered, that hope was gone. Mm -hmm. So I think it takes, and I know it was for you, the both of you too, so don't you <clears> think <throat> it, it really takes a lot of courage for us to go, well, guess what? We can find hope for other things. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't wish, I mean, she wasn't my child by uh, genetics, but... But choice. But I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Of course not. On anybody. It's just brutally tough. Mm -hmm. Brutally tough. The other thing, I, the other thing, um, you know, empathy, sympathy, you, you kind of start thinking about all those things. And, and for me, uh, Val's pursuit to carry on her legacy and what Val's doing with this mission and with this this gathering right here, um, it's taught me to try to be however supportive I can be to help Val with this because it's therapeutic for Val and hopefully it helps all of you. And if I can help her help all of you, then I've done a, I've done a good deed. So it's not just me and Jamie, <clears throat> it's all of us together. Right. Sure. Yeah. What about you, Sean? Thanks, Rich. Yeah, for me, the biggest thing was... I was really angry, which I'm sure is a 
a smattering of other emotions that I'm not well equipped or educated enough to completely break down and psychoanalyze here quickly on this. Um, Can you give him about five minutes? In this He'll get back to you. conversation, <laughs> but the uh, reality of the situation is I was just angry all the time. Yeah, so I mean, I was always angry. Whether it was angry at Jamie for the decisions she was making, how they negatively affected you guys, and honestly, how it affected me as well. Um, when she, first time she was kicked out of Grandma's house, and she, I had not so thinly veil threatened her, and I called Jamie and told her if anyone ever did anything to Grandma, I'd find wherever she was and assault everyone in the house. Like, you name it, my, my process was rage. <clears throat> and that just wasn't livable for me. I mean, the reality of the situation is for anybody listening, especially the dads, the brothers who understand where I'm coming from, if you're angry, you can choose not to be angry. Because being angry all the time is absolutely negatively, uh, has a negative impact rather on your mentality, your physical health, your emotional health, everything about it. Anger is an absolute sickness and poison. I was sickened and poisoned. I would be in situations where a person would bump into me in public a month after Jamie was killed and I would think I'm going to bash this guy's head in and I had no reason other than I wasn't facing my own anger so earlier on you said what made you decide and that's the operative word I literally decided one day that I was just tired of being angry that it wasn't a livable <clears throat> um, it, it wasn't a healthy livable life for me it wasn't something that I could do and that's why we talked a lot about on Jamie's birthday every year that's like one of the saddest days for us it's tough we always do something, but particularly on her death day, I throw a party every year. We do a celebration of her life, the day that she got to kind of break free from the torment that was this world for her, and we celebrate it, <clears throat> and this last year was the first year I didn't cry at all on that day. It was completely positive. There were people there who knew Jamie who loved her. There were people who met her briefly, who cared about her because we did, and then there were people, friends of mine who came, who'd never met her once in their lives, that just wanted to show up for her. So 20 people together celebrating her the day she died seems lunatic to some of you who are going to hear that and be like, you celebrate the day she died? Yeah, because the person that killed her doesn't get to take her memory from us and our happiness from mm, us yeah. too. Yeah. That's not how that works for me. I refuse. I will not be unhappy for the rest of my life. And if I can take something, maybe it's the Irish stubbornness in me, but taking something that was taken from me and turning it around and making it mine and making it a positive has like in your face worked wonders for for myself and I think it's rubbed off on you guys too like that concept of throwing a party on her death day was never something you did no no before hey as a matter of fact we have a whole nother session where we're going to talk about just that and that is about rewiring our brains for mm -hmm. happiness Sean taught me about it again didn't do any research didn't know what he was doing, and I'm so grateful, mm -hmm. and I hope that you are going to be able to watch that session because it's a separate session, but it's all about that, yep. and I think, but I got to tell you what, Sean, that takes courage. It takes courage for you to say, you know, I don't want to be angry anymore, which means I have to change mm -hmm. because you weren't going to be able to take away whatever was making you angry. It takes courage for us to say, I need to change. Well, and that was ultimately the... The final gift that Jamie gave me was I was probably angry, not just at her. Obviously, you some of you will hear this and think, we have plenty of reason to be angry. A guy killed your sister. Another guy shot her. You know, kids at school are harassing you and trying to bully you about it. But the truth of the matter is I had anger prior to that, too. Prior to her life affecting mine, 
the way that other kids would talk to me and treat me, I would take no guff off anyone ever. I, had, I was not having it. I got in trouble in fourth grade for kicking my friend Mason Smith because he was bullying me, but I assaulted him on the playground. I had anger at a very young age. And that was the biggest gift that she taught me was that I actually could decide to let that stuff go. Whether it's for a really serious reason or a not so serious reason, that I really can choose whether I want to be angry and I can let it go. I'm and I haven't fully let it go. No, but everybody's a Still working a human process. Being. Yeah. But I'm glad you brought that up, Sean, because in the Nine Weapons of Hope, the first one is your decisions. Mm -hmm. And purposely, it's first. Because we're not going to do anything else if we don't decide about something. So I'm really glad you brought that up. We, we wait and we wish and we dream and we hope for things to change. But it all starts when we make a decision. Yep. It actually takes more energy to be angry than it does to be happy. Isn't that true? Happy. You know what, Rich? I'm going to say that the other thing that you know this has done for me is using that F word. I have to interject. If, if being angry burns so much energy, you'd think I'd be <laughs> <laughs> a little trimmer, right? <laughs> so, you know, you were using the F word a lot, but I'm not talking about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the forgiveness word, you know, it seems so cliche now, oh, we should forgive, you know, and it just seems like it's all about, you know, it's biblical and everything. I got to tell you what, the power that you have, and you said it, you alluded to it earlier, not giving that other person the power. Yep. So people, I used to hear people on TV that would have their daughters or sons killed or something and they'd go, well, I've forgiven them. And I thought, okay, well, they were raised by a pastor or something and they're just some kind of person like, you know, Teresa, right? Like Teresa Rinker, they're just in a, you know, in a world in a class all their own. But yep. I understand that now, and it, it, but it's not about justice. Forgiveness and justice are completely separate matters, and I never yep. understood that. I want justice. I hope he spends the rest of his life in prison. And you know what? If I found out he died today, I wouldn't even shed a tear. No. I might even do a happy dance. So I mean, I'm sorry, human. Sorry, God, if you don't like that. Take but that day is. Have, have a couple bottles of wine. Yeah, have a, have a party. Because um, I would, yeah, it wouldn't bother me at all. When I say I've forgiven him, it's because of what you said, Sean. I am not letting that guy have any more of me. Mm -hmm. He blew a hole in my heart that day. He stole our J Jamie from us. That's all he gets. Yep. yep. Nothing else. Yep. Yep, the rest goes to her. You got it. We don't think about him or talk about him very often, do no, we? No, the rest goes to Jamie. Because ultimately, by constantly focusing on all the negative and forgetting about the positive and who she was, the memory is, it's cheapened. It ruins the memory a little bit when you're constantly focused on, yes. anytime you bring her up, you have to bring him up and bring up her bad history. I mean, that's one of the things we we did on, on her party, is it was just, and even if it was me being like, man, she was such an a-hole to me when I was a kid, and then we'd laugh. <laughs> it was more all about the... Positive memories. Nobody was like, oh, remember that one time she... There was none of that. We chose not to Yeah, it's not like we, don't, it. we pretend it didn't happen. It affected no, us. It impacted but we've us. We've talked about that ad nauseum, and now it's fixating on the negative once the person has gone and the trauma has already happened. Mm -hmm. Isn't going to be helpful to any of us. It won't be helpful to you. What's helpful to us is to focus on the things that we loved about her, that we cared about her, and the positive impact that she's had in her life and in her death. Well, I think that that's a really important point to make before we go is that she's still making an impact mm -hmm. in her death through us and I think that is so critical even if you have wayward people in your life that are still alive you know we have to honor we have to honor people we have to allow the, and especially if somebody's gone we have to allow them to continue their legacy imagine the period on the end of the sentence Jamie was murdered August 28th 2016 period. 
And from the period, everything else went backwards. You know, all the stuff that you said, all mm -hmm. the stuff. But through us, I think that the best possible thing that we could do to honor Jamie is to, is to not just have parties and say happy things about her. It's to take what we learned through this horrific experience and mm -hmm. help lead other people out of the darkness. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think that's how we are building a family legacy of courage. Well, and as wild as it may be, I think the final thing I have to say on it is she's had more of a positive impact on me with her death than she did with her life, as crazy as that may be. Thanks again for being here. It is time for you to use your story to disrupt your trauma for good. Your story matters, so you've got to learn how to live it courageously. Link arms with me at ValerieSilvera.com. We are in this thing called life together.